0: Lord, don't, don't talk. You will never be the same. And for the full catastrophe, he didn't mean it was all bad.
1: Oh that I was a of saying. Don't play with
0: I invite you to the dance. To the dance with the Lord of
1: the Dance. I didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. Please dance. Hi everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Remote Pastoral Care. I'm once again joined by my dear friend Courtney, who is coming to us from the NXT Arena. I think. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Perfect place to do church content. Gotta love it. me. I'm coming. Oh yeah. From, I'm coming from a fictional abandoned church inhabited by a magic user. So you know, we do what we do. um So today we are gonna be talking about a topic that's uh, near and dear to my heart uh, as someone who lives as a, someone in ministry, uh, but is also something that I honestly think we don't talk about enough in, in our congregations and our church life and all that other stuff. And that is that wonderful intersection between church and money, between Christianity and capitalism. Oh, those guys. Um, so yeah, I, I I know you've run into this a few times, Courtney, God knows I've run into it a few times. Uh, How has that, uh, interaction been for you?
0: Um, honestly, I don't think I noticed it as much like when I was more actively going to church or certainly not when I was growing up in the church. Um, but more like as an adult and especially with social media being exposed to, Everyone's stupidity that makes me sound condescending, but like it's not that everybody's stupid, it's that the stupid people are very loud and very obvious. Yeah. Um it's it's really unsettling to me the amount of prosperity worship, I guess, that goes on in in the modern church, like the the volume of and I, it's not even just the mega churches with the, you know, just like charlatan pastors who are just, you know, like, well, if you give me your, the money, then God will increase it tenfold or whatever Bible verse they're twisting that week. Right. um, But it's also like, this sort of assertion that any sort of wealth redistribution policy is somehow anti-Christian and like against God and of the devil or whatever like it's just really bizarre how tied up together uh like white Christianity and capitalism have become like it's just it's just creepy. Because, like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like the Jesus that I studied.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, one of one of my uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to one of my favorite Instagram uh, pages that I follow here. The you know, group called I think they call it Preachers and Sneakers or something like that. And literally, all they do is they take pictures of these down to earth preachers who are doing the megachurch circuit. And then they look up the wardrobe that they're wearing and how ridiculously over the top expensive, like Gucci brand stuff they're they're wearing. It is hilarious to see these guys. Look at me, I'm just like you when they're wearing a fifteen hundred dollar jacket. Yeah. And you know there is, you know, we've talked before about power and and Christianity and how since Constantine, Christianity has suddenly had power and has really we've really been loath to give it up because it's a human thing is when you have power and when you have money, you don't want to let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. And wealth operates in exactly the same way. Uh, so when you have people who have money, they don't want to let it go, whether that's religious or not. But we also have the issue, which you've highlighted, as people who are using the faith as a money-making scheme. Now, yeah. in the interests of my own personal safety, <laughs> I, I I do want to draw a somewhat tenuous line between uh professional pastors like myself who do draw a paycheck for what we do uh and your prosperity gospel preachers who use it as basically a cash hose Uh, I, i do have that we exist in a capitalist society and i will be as apologetic for it as i can i still do have to make money to feed my family so as a professional pastor I do have to be in a place where money is involved, however, you know my wife and I've discussed this a lot too is never to excess is always our theme. You make absolutely sure if you're in ministry that your uh, your arrangement is so that you can get by, in fact, if you look at the, the kind of standard terms of call for most denominational pastors they're usually written up in just that way that the whole thing before you get to the nitty gritty of, you know, who's getting paid, what, how much insurance premiums, all that other fun stuff. um, Before you get to that, it's all couched in the terminology of um, this is so that the congregation can support the pastor in their life so that they don't have to worry about all the other stuff and how they're going to feed their family while they're doing the ministry. Uh, Well, yeah, I don't, I don't
0: think you can really expect someone to give their all to the church. Yeah like if they have to do something else 40 hours a week
1: right you know? And the, the irony for it is that this has to be a thing because we're not operating societally as we were in the days of the early church which uh, i tell you one thing you want to freak out a boomer christian like really yeah. freak out a boomer christian you tell them that the early church was all communist <laughs> like hardcore communists the originals um i, see, I got, a, got a verse right here for you from Acts uh, 4. Um, there it is. There was not a needy person among them for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as had need. And that was the model for early Christian community from the book of Acts onward. Uh, so when we talk about like a community that, you know, we talk about religious people drawing money. We didn't used to do that because everybody used to draw from the same pool. We used to be communists. Yeah. So the the whole pastors have to draw money thing is an adaptation in and of itself. So that is a fine line we all have to walk. But these prosperity gospel preachers, as you rightly identify, there's something else.
0: Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of the obvious, uh, villain in this situation like Mm -hmm. to draw a parallel to something else like uh the (laughs) the prosperity gospel preacher of a megachurch is to the uh inappropriate bedfellows of christianity and capitalism as the you know cross burning clan member is to racism like they're really obvious they're the ones that you can point to and be like hey you should see that this is a problem at least but honestly what bothers me more than that because that's like that's really unfortunate but there's always going to be con men you know in my opinion i just feel like there's always going to be con men out there they're going to find some way to con people out of their freaking money um doing it with religion is really unfortunately easy way to do it because of the way a lot of people practice their religion I think that's not not, a slight on people who just pour themselves into religion there's no there's I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with that um but it's it does kind of create a uh doorway for people to you know say hey this is this is for God
1: so this is it's special and you don't have to think about it very much Um, that's not anything new either I mean um I brought up a couple of books before we got started here um, looking at the Dida King, which is one of the oldest Christian writings here. Um, and they're talking about how you identify a true apostle and one not back in those communist days, of course. And he writes right here, and we're talking like 150, 200 CE. This guy writes, and when an apostle goes forth, let him accept nothing but bread till he reaches his ninth lodging. But if he asks for money, he's a false prophet. I was like, This, so this idea of people using religion, we, we've had to warn against that since the beginning it's not a new thing it, but it is an annoying thing
0: yeah i honestly the the part that i think bothers me a little bit more is the way that the the capitalist culturalist lifestyle mm-hmm. i guess i'm i'm having a hard time kind of putting it into words but the the ob, the obvious con men um, that are, you know, obvious to everyone who's not stuck inside their trap. Um, that's, that's kind of the easy boogeyman. I, I feel like the scarier thing to me is the, the level to which it's gotten wrapped up in more common, more maybe palatable, uh, more typical i guess christianity where you know you don't have your the pastor isn't living in a mansion you know mm-hmm. um and with a private jet and stuff like that they're not uh you know on tv asking for you know what, all the money that you can possibly spare and that that's going to get you more money it's it's not like a it's not like a religious pyramid scheme it's not you know super obvious it's it's the it, I'm having a really hard time putting it. I think it. I know what you're you know getting
1: what I, mean? at. What, I, what I would, in my experience, I, I've run into a lot even recently, is the uh, the middle manager types. Uh, the ones who sit in church meetings and try to mask their own desires under the guise of good business for the church. who try to run a church like a corporation. Um, I've, I've seen a few of them lately uh, who, um, I, I had one person in, a, in a, a church leadership position not too long ago who started making the case to terminate employees uh, because they needed to save budget, only to turn around and start redirecting a lot of that funds to family members for various reasons. Um, and that's surprisingly common in churches is not yeah. the people who are saying, for the Lord giveth to me all of your money and thou shalt be rewarded. That, and that's an issue. But you also have those middle management types who use the same tricks of the trade of capitalism, the the same sort of things you see of like the middle manager who manufactures evidence and uh, plays around with hiring and firing laws and uh, skirts the rules around minimum wage. The same sort of people who, you know, are totally in favor of hiring waitresses at two bucks an hour and saying, well, tips will make up the difference uh yeah. those same people with that same mindset who apply that to the life and ministry of the church and that is i think what you're talking about uh,
0: I, I i while you were talking about this the the verbiage i was hoping to get across kind of came to me it's the enshrinement of capitalist ways as part of like the sacred somehow
1: yeah um I mean,
0: it's it's this uh and I, I think maybe it kind of ties into this, like, <laughs> like at the at the risk of stirring stirring a pot, the like "Make America Great Again." The oh, 50, stir away. The the the, the like fifties archetype, uh, like what a family unit should be, and it's like, oh, you know, working hard to for your to make your uh your living and everything, you know, not paying any attention to how much the economy has changed and how you know if we actually went back to the you know tax structures and stuff back then that the rich wouldn't be as wildly outclassing the, the poor yeah. as they are but right. that's that little little
1: point there the the fetishization of working for it
0: yes um, that's exact, that's what I'm talking about.
1: And that is oh man I see that all the time. And that that ties into this really human, very, very human idea we have of determining who deserves and who doesn't. Um, I see, I've seen this in a different church I used to to be involved with, where the leaders would gather in private and discuss who deserved to participate in worship in certain ways, because they they worked hard enough and these people dedicate their energy and really put their time into it. These people, they don't so much. They like do things with their family and they'd rather uh do all this other stuff. And then they they, sh- they just kind of show up and, and they give their best on the day up, they don't put in the extra mile. And the whole while I'm sitting there like, the hell does that matter? <laughs> um and but that that runs as a clear thread from capitalist business practices into the way that a lot of us do worship. I worked with a guy uh a while a while back. Uh, who totally believed that a church should be run like a business that you have to make sure that you're using the same principles and that if your church isn't growing it's because well you're not you know doing business appropriately or correctly
0: your congregation is not profit that's yeah. not
1: never you mind that the guy uh didn't do so well in business his own self and come to the church for uh, other reasons but, you know, you, you, you still got that mindset that you ha- the church must be a growth enterprise. Um, and we see this.
0: I mean, yeah, but not like that.
1: Ugh, like an we internal growth. It, it, it is super insidious, too, because we see this even on the pastoral side of things, the behind the scenes areas. You go to a meeting of uh, church planting pastors where we all, those of us who are pastoring churches, we have to, you know, at least those of us who are in denominations, not talking about our evangelical folk here. Uh, those of us who are in denominations were accountable to higher groups, and even within those groups, when they are assessing how is your church plant going, how is your congregation developing, it immediately falls back on the metrics of how many people, how much money. Uh, are you showing appropriate growth numbers every month? And, and we we try to fight back against that. How was your uh,
0: growth over last quarter?
1: It, it, that has been asked. <laughs> I've been in meetings where church people have asked that and I uh, you know I see it, but I, I don't. I'm fortunate in that I'm part of an accountability system where they're really trying to fight against that but it's been ingrained for so long that we still f- I still find myself you know in the in the wee hours of the morning looking at the, the shares and views numbers on our Facebook page going, oh God, oh God <laughs> The numbers aren't where I want them to be, you know, it's a, for those of us who've grown up in America, we're ingrained in that capitalist mindset. We have to be actively fighting against it. But yeah, it
0: is. Is, is this the part where we inappropriately say, inappropriately say like, share and subscribe?
1: <laughs> I wasn't gonna say inappropriately, but you know, th- this is the point where as I edit the video, I'm gonna put those little buttons up on the screen and go, whole da, 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 da <laughs> But no, you, you know, and that's kind of, that's even harder for a community like us. It's entirely online because we have no way of knowing, really, who's here, uh, other than metrics. And that that's uh, that's I'll admit that's a fight for me as we're trying to build this thing. Is knowing to what degree we got to lean on the metrics? But yeah, I
0: feel like maybe doing the like the work itself has intrinsic value. I mean, maybe that's kind of where I'm coming from as an artist, mm-hmm. because like I had to get to a point. And when I lose track of this, I have a lot more difficulty actually accomplishing things. Um, I had to get to kind of a point where I made myself register that the work itself has intrinsic value, whether anyone else likes it or not, mm-hmm. whether, um, you know, it doesn't matter how many eyes are getting on it. Um, and I feel like that's, it's got to have some some value for, you know, doing doing work for the Lord too. I mean, yeah. ideally you you want it to impact people. That's the point. But um I don't know. I, think, I feel like spiritually if you're doing something worthwhile, it's gonna naturally draw.
1: I think you've people. hit on a much bigger piece that we we often don't talk about. And that's the idea of intrinsic value versus productive value. Um we, whether you're talking about faith or society, you know, I I started my career as a musician and then went to being a teacher and then went to being a pastor. So I'm no stranger to being in professions that are not valued in a capitalist society. (laughs) But that we start with this belief that what you do only has value if it is productive towards society and that belief is a starting point but as we roll it forward it has a logical conclusion and that logical conclusion is that you as a person only have value if you are productive to society yeah and that is that is the logical end result of that and as christians you know we're so easy to hop on the beginning of that train not realizing what the uh, the terminal station is for that yeah and that's why in my in my mindset capitalism is incompatible with christianity is because it's rooted in the idea that productivity or that what you do or that what is made or what is generated is of is is where the value lies rather than in the act itself or in the person itself i firmly believe that god uplifts the creation of art the creation of music and the doing of ministry and all of these other things as things of intrinsic value and not only value if other people like them or if other people uh, can use them for purposes and reasons. Um, And that relates to the person. If you've got a person who only can do uh, oil paintings and does them okay, but that is where their heart is. And every time you take them away from the canvas, they feel like a little piece of them has died inside. Uh, there are people like that out there in the world and they're forced to sit in offices 24/7 that's terrible that's utterly yeah. terrible it doesn't matter to god if you are able to be productive so much as if you are able to do what you are made to do and i truly believe that in a in a in a properly ordered world and one in which we've fought off the ravages of sin and disorder that we will achieve that balance where everybody doing what they're made for sustains us all. Um, and when I say balance, please don't mistake me for Thanos. I'm not nearly purple enough. Um, but that is, I think, what we need to, to to be. We talk about, you know, the on Earth as it is in Heaven world, and I think that's what we're we're talking about is one in which each person. Can live into what they were created to do. Yeah. Without suffering for it.
0: Well, and it it kind of brings me back to one of those one of those many questions that uh, I kind of got the it started getting the, you're just stirring the pot, aren't you, dear? Sort of things as I got older, but I never felt like I got a satisfactory question about when I was
1: younger. Now, before you uh, into this, let me go this. ahead and let me go ahead and say this uh we talk about stirring the pot as if it's a bad thing but if you don't stir the pot things on the bottom are going to burn to death while the things on the top aren't going to get cooked in the nutrients they need to so stirring the pot has its uses continue oh well, there you go
0: um yeah, let me think sorry um oh uh it was one of those that i was like okay so um jesus seems to kind of make a big deal about how if you want to follow him what you should do is take everything you have and like just everything you have he doesn't even say to keep enough for yourself and give it to people who need it and just it's very straightforward (laughs) and I was like so so why don't we do that and I never really felt like I got a sensible answer like I can't I can't even remember the answers that I got now. It was a long, long time ago. I just turned 38 this week. Well, and anything like the I answers was...
1: I always got, it was probably some sort of waffling. Like, well, what Jesus really meant is sell all that you have, but don't like destroy yourself in the process. You still need to live. You still need to survive and flourish. And you know, you know, the, the world today is different from the world that it was. So we we have to take that into account. Let's look at that actual passage, what happened, and I'm, I'm not going to actually look it up, but the piece that sticks with me is the, the line that we often forget, um, and the context that we often forget, is that Jesus is saying that in response to a rich man that said, hey, I'm doing all that I can, I'm, I'm donating to the right charities, I'm you know on the right boards, uh, I'm going to heaven, right? And Jesus looks him square in the eye and says, dude, you're rich. No.
0: Is this the eye of a needle speech? Yeah. or
1: god you help have me to look my it up huh? is <sighs> not as perfect as most people expect the pastor to be so i don't remember off the top of my head but what i do remember is is jesus unloads on them and says like all right sell everything you have give it to the poor and then come follow me with nothing and then then you're on on the right path and
0: doesn't he give a reaction to like well i can't do that yeah
1: and that's the mic drop we often skip is that and then the rich man hung his head and walked away. Like he knew he couldn't do that. He knew that that wasn't who he is. That wasn't the answer he wanted. He, he wanted, he, he came to Jesus looking for, I'm a rich guy who's using my rich guyness to continue to be rich and also help a few of the peasants along the way. Isn't that good enough? Yeah. And Jesus looked and he said, hell no. That ain't what it's about. You are not here to enrich yourself. And if you well, are from a, from a practical standpoint,
0: too, the the richer you are, the more you can do for the other people in the world around you without feeling it at all. I
1: yeah. mean,
0: if like, I think someone crunched the numbers on it, and I know there's other reasons that Bill and Melinda Gates are in the news right now, but like they give away a ridiculous amount of money to charity, like a, a surprising amount of money. But if you actually crunch the numbers, comparing yeah. net worth and uh like charitable donations Mm -hmm. if i give a couple of friends like gofundmes if i toss a couple 20s at friends gofundmes over the course of the year i'm donating a higher percentage of my income so it's like
1: yeah are you
0: are you really donating so much money
1: (laughs) you compare that with and i saw this one kicking around recently that if you were to calculate the precise value of the gold hoard of the dragon smog from the Hobbit. And yeah, then, that one's going And, on and right then now. give him American citizenship, he would still only be the 15th richest person. Uh, and, and that like, that tells you something that you know, we want to assume, like, look, I gave $5 million to charity. Isn't that great? Well, you've got almost $2 trillion. So no, yeah. um, because Christianity is all about and living a godly life in general, I think even for people who aren't Christian, it's about balance. So, you know, we talk about numbers and figures when we should be talking about percentages. We talk about uh, where I am in terms of what I'm doing when we should be talking about where everybody is in terms of how I'm helping it. You know, you're, you're, the richer you get, the more you should be giving so that you don't continue to get rich. And Christianity should be, the Christian lifestyle should be a fight to stay in the middle to keep ourselves as close to the middle as possible by bringing everyone else up to the middle.
0: I, I you mentioned the percentages and all this and it's it's kind of making me wonder if maybe some of the resistance among your typical like middle class american or western christians mm. um the aversion to the give away everything you have and follow me doctrine um if some of that might have to do with, you know, well, you know, if I do that, then I don't have anything left over and I work really hard and you know, there's people who have a whole lot more and they're not doing that. So how is that fair? Um, and it's like, it's like, all right, time for you to get mad at me and call me a red, but no, in a capitalist system, it's never going to be fair like that. In or, The only way it's going to be fair is if everyone's pooling all of their resources to make sure that everyone has enough. And you know what, if we do that, then you you don't have to really go without because we've got a whole lot of everything, as it turns
1: right. out, it's like, just
0: poorly distributed.
1: We're knocking on the door of a post-scarcity society here and trying to pretend that we're not. Um, a good way, I, I had this conversation with somebody a while back, I forget who, uh, and I was talking about it and they lived, this was a person who lived in like a, like a five or six bedroom McMansion somewhere in the suburbs of New Jersey and I was talking to them about this, and they said, well, if I if I sell everything I've got, you know, I've got a family and three kids, I'd have to, you know, move into a smaller house, and we'd have, we wouldn't have less space, we wouldn't be able to be as comfortable as we are, uh, and like, can you imagine me taking my three kids and living in a three-bedroom apartment somewhere instead of a house that's got a yard and things like that, and I said, I said to them, I said, there are people, you know, not saying, of course, that I was people, um, there are people out there with, uh, you know, a family and three kids who are crammed into tiny ramshackle two bedroom apartments in the middle of nowhere trying to get by. And if you gave up your five bedroom million dollar McMansion and moved into a three bedroom apartment, then the difference would be able to take that other person out of that cramped two bedroom apartment into a similar three bedroom apartment. You guys would be at an equal. Level And equality and justice is the backbone of Christian life. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you, when you pass that middle mark, because Christians are properly on a quest for the middle. And the minute you go above that, living the Christian life is all going to be about bringing you down. If you're below that middle mark, the Christian life is all going to be about bringing you up, which is why. Christians are constantly encouraged to not think about it in terms of you, because it's never going to seem to be fair. It's never going to seem to be right, because you're either going to be getting more than other people, or you're going to be losing more than other people, because, and this is the big da-da-da-bum, it's not about you.
0: (laughs) One of the things that kind of blows me away is, like, even if it is about you, and maybe this is just this can't just be me because I'm not this exceptionally amazing person. I'm just I might some be great. chick. Well, th- thank you. Um, but <laughs> my husband and I were watching this, this video recently, uh, just ragging on some, some person's ridiculous mega yacht.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you're talking about something that costs like seven or eight figures. Um, it's, it's, a you know, it's a personal via like an oversized mansion on water, you know, Yeah,
1: a yacht um, that needs its own support. yacht.
0: Yes. Um, it's something that would need full staff. I was looking at it and saying, how much would this cost to run this thing for a day? I mean, like I used to, my family used to be a little bougie myself. We had like a almost 30 foot yacht and you know, where you had to cram into like a little room to sleep and stuff. And that still cost a ridiculous amount to run and maintain. So just outside of the cost of the actual thing, the amount that uh, in upkeep and stuff for it. And I just had this moment of thought to myself, like, I can't imagine, I mean, as cool as that would be if it wasn't for, you know, what else you could do with that money. I can't imagine getting more satisfaction from having your own floating mansion you know, and that's obviously not where they live. It's not like it's their primary residence. It's a boat, you know, um, then you would get from the sheer amount of good you could do for other people with that money.
1: Yeah.
0: I I, I'm probably naive for thinking that there's got to be some rich people that you can get that just maybe haven't thought of this and it could get through to them. Like, Hey, imagine how awesome it would feel to just you know, pare yourself down to lots of luxury instead of exorbitant luxury, and like use all that money. How good would it feel to make this huge difference in so many people's lives?
1: Yeah, and I I, I, don't get it. I look at I look at people like Bill Gates, for example, um, and I'm not going to claim to know the man's motivations, but from the the rich people that I bumped into, when you get above a certain point the motivation shifts from getting what I want, because I think it's like once you get above the $800,000 a year mark, you can't get anything more that makes you feel better. Um, like, no matter what else you get, in a, it, you're hoarding at that point, because like, yeah. you can't,
0: you can't spend
1: it. Not realistically,
0: it. and not not without spending yeah. on things that you'll you're so never
1: see or use. The motivation tends to be one of two things it tends to be either, I want to be able to pass down to my kids. So I want to make sure I've got a millions upon millions or and then once you get beyond that it becomes more about of i want to leave a legacy legacy yeah. and that you know whether that early on that 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 idea of legacy uh in the hoarding is is thought about in terms of what i passed down to the kids but it grows beyond that so you get your, your bill gates types who are you know i want this legacy as the richest man and the the, the dedicated you know, philanthropists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they think about it in those business capitalistic terms. Mm-hmm. But I always wonder, it's like, if I were Bill Gates and I wanted to leave a legacy, if I, if I were to take two thirds of my wealth and then immediately end homelessness and world hunger, just like blanket end those, those are no longer things because of that. I would be in history books for the next 2000 years. Yeah, You want to talk about a freaking legacy but there's something you wouldn't have to
0: name things after yourself because other people would do it for you exactly people name their freaking kids after you there'd be a generation of children named after you
1: yeah but there's this thing in our monkey brains where we can't imagine surrendering in that way we have to do it ourselves so you get your bill gates types who are like I want to leave my legacy. I want schools to be named after me. So I'm going to, I am going to make a million foundations. I am going to do X, Y, and Z. When the solution to what you want is just to surrender, to give it up, to let it go. And you'll get treasures in heaven. Like literally that's what Jesus is talking about here is you, if you want to have those treasures in heaven, if you want to be remembered on earth, if you want to be remembered in heaven, It ain't about building it up for yourself here. It's about surrendering it, letting it go, and letting God's work through you make you a part of something bigger.
0: We're going to have to have one of these conversations sometime about the nature of heaven, I think, too.
1: I think that's probably going to be up next on uh, our list here. One one of the next episodes, definitely. All right. Um, You know, the, the, the concept of heaven and hell is... That's, oh God, I, I could go on forever and we're already near the end of our time here anyway. So don't, don't get me started.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: You got, you got any last things you want to add on or ask on here before we tie it up?
0: Oh, so, so you don't think that we can just, just put that concept towards like, just get, get a bunch of rich people and be like, Hey, have you considered doing this and how the legacy it would leave you and how powerful you would be to be ending homelessness or whatever, they're just not gonna go for that.
1: I used to think that the the solution was that simple. Uh, and I there's a part of me still that is the eternal humanist optimist that, that believes that if you just get all the rich people together in a room and say, look, just do it. All right, just do the thing and you'll save the world, and people will love you for literally ever. I, I have to believe that, that 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 might work, but the older I get, the more cynical I get, and I'm like, but people like money.
0: Well, and there's a, there's a level to which society has started getting a ridiculous amount of enjoyment, and I think it probably started back in well, not started, but intensified way back in the '90s from the boredom and sarcasm that just permeated culture at that point. But it's it just grown. I think this tendency to mock the earnest. Um, you see it in the way that uh, hardcore conservatives will make fun of someone like Greta Thunberg. Yeah, I, I think I'm mispronouncing her name, but um, you know, someone deeply, deeply earnest with a simple, straightforward message that they're just begging you to listen to. And people make fun. Um, I I think there needs to be a conversation about how that sort of, um, at least when it comes to things that are meaningful, that sort of sarcastic, uh, just jackass attitude is not really, compatible with Christianity. And again, this is very rich coming from me and my manner of being. But I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be like that about something that matters. Yeah. Like that really matters.
1: And the hard part um, with that too is that when we talk about something like this, it involves challenging power and wealth and authority. And those empowering and wealth and authority, their immediate reaction to that isn't going to be. Oh, huh, I do believe they're making some sense. Why not? It's going to be. This, who in the hell do you think you are? And it like you've got to be someone of the of
0: importance by their metrics for your opinion to be worth anything. Yeah. Your well, thoughts that, to be worth anything.
1: Which is why you know there's a part of me that misses the old Jewish office prophet, whose whole whole thing was to stand there and tell the powerful people, hey. God thinks you suck. Maybe don't suck so much. Um, you know, that's, honestly, that's what pastors are supposed to be doing these days. Anyway, I was going to say, but, can we get one of those? That sounds awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I, I try to do that where I can. You know, but <laughs> capitalism killed the prophet. Let's be honest. Um, do, we, do, do we do we need to appoint
0: someone to official church office whose entire job is uh, telling authority figures within and without the church that they suck and that this is what they need to do?
1: You know, if I were to found my own denomination, I would make that an official denominational office. You know, your whole job is to go around telling leaders that they suck and how not to suck. That's it. That's your that's your gig. And then I would immediately like resign from leaving the denomination to take that office because that sounds like way more fun than anything else.
0: It's too late. You're a pastor now.
1: Oh, you no, know, nothing out there says you can't be both. Oh, all right. Anyway. So so what what
0: kind of conclusions are we coming to here apart from uh hardcore like religious enthusiasm for for capitalism is not really compatible with the message of Christ.
1: I think that's got to be where we end it now. Capitalism sucks and God hates it and we should all be <laughs> communists in the first place because that's what the church started out as anyways and screw you Constantine for good measure. Um I think that's about where where it uh to stop right now is you know it's just frustrating
0: because i don't feel like we've accomplished anything (laughs) you know (laughs) like we've we've been here and bitched about how things are and i don't feel like we've accomplished anything and i'm sick of feeling like that
1: i I hear you and 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 i I want to remind you of what we talked about earlier that that productive mindset is going to get you every time um we don't necessarily so much
0: about productivity it's a matter of i want to change some of this crap and
1: and then let me point out for you that um (sighs) you know I, I i'm hoping people are actually watching these and actually listening through them.
0: the last one i think got three views and i'm pretty sure one of them was my mom's so. well
1: actually the last the last one got 30 some odd views if i if i look correctly because we're on I mean, multiple, we're on multiple platforms by the way if you're still listening along we're on youtube and facebook and on the podcast channel so you know when you aggregate things people are people are taking a listen oh side note we also used the last video as a means of uh testing facebook advertising so it actually got two and a half thousand views but that you know that's a different way. um so i'm assuming that at least among that some people are actually- <laughs> discomfort watching. intensifies sure. don't look at me <laughs> so i'm assuming that somewhere among that some people are actually watching and or listening. And I think it's important for people to hear from us talking through this that God's message is that capitalism kind of sucks and that these mindsets aren't, these mindsets of metrics and business and productivity aren't rooted in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're rooted in the gospel of the Almighty dollar and we've got to rip those apart. Um, If if nothing else, like you and I are never going to be policymakers. You know, unless something really changes with my life, I don't see myself sitting on Capitol Hill anytime soon. Um, And if that does actually change, uh, then we're in for a hell of a ride because I'm I'm gonna do stuff. But failing that, failing our ability to be policymakers, our, our influence begins and ends with our voice, with being able to stand up in our own lives and say, this isn't a good thing. This is a bad thing. And I'm committing in my own life to do whatever I can to move away from that. And I know you always do as well. And if we can get a few more people on the boat saying, you know what, let's maybe share our money where we can. You don't have to be a rich person. Like God knows I'm not a rich person, but anytime someone comes to me and is in need, I'm like, all right, I, I got you, bro. The, I got you bro mentality can build an entire community right there. And that's where I think a lot of this needs to start. We. I feel like that's an
0: excellent start too, because it doesn't require some massive change of societal structure or whatever. It's just starting with hooking up your fellow man. You
1: you know, know, there's some truth to that. Like, I would not be where I am if it weren't for the generosity of a handful of people who had my back, if it weren't for my father-in-law who financed my way through college before I'd even married his daughter. If it wasn't for that one professor who is still a friend and I know watches these videos. Uh, who gave me a lot more help than I frankly deserved. Like we don't get to places in life without people looking out for us. I've received and I try to help wherever I can. And I think that if we take that mindset forward, that we have the beginnings of something, the the snowball that starts the avalanche. We're never going to be able to wipe capitalism off the off the valley floor. But if we throw enough stones from up here on the mountain, we may be able to start an avalanche and do the job instead. And now I'm just imagining Jeff Bezos sitting in his little alpine village going "Ah," which is a surprisingly comforting image sometimes. But I,
0: I guess, okay, so before we go, Jesus's stance on eating the rich
1: uh, not in favor of cannibalism, but definitely in favor of their being less rich.
0: I I am kidding. <laughs> no,
1: I know. I get it. All right. So let's go ahead and let's let's call it here. For those of you who listened or watched along to the end, thanks for uh, uh, sticking with us through another episode of of fun and interesting ranting. Uh, I'm trying to put together something fun for our next episode, but in the meantime. Uh, You know, if you haven't joined our community, we are still having these discussions on our community uh, on our discord server Uh, find all this on the website we've got our Psalms from the trails on Thursdays uh, scripture and sermons that come out on Sundays, except on weeks like last week, where I just had too much on my plate and did not do it. Um, It it, it, on my community it happens, I apologize. Um, So. You know, those are things that are happening. We've got our weekly check-in on Saturday nights uh, in Japan, Saturday mornings in America. We've got, we got stuff going on. Uh, check out the website for more information. Link to that's in the description. Uh, and though I know Courtney is is shy about plugging her pluggables, I'm going to go ahead and say that she is an awesome jeweler. Uh, she has her own uh, way of getting by in this capitalist society. And she is a bro whom we should got you, definitely. Um, because Not just because she is an awesome bro but because she is an awesome jeweler. And I I really do want to say, you know, check her out too. Um, All right. So now that I've made her thoroughly uncomfortable, let's go ahead and call it for tonight. And so I'm going to say bye, everybody, and take care.
0: All right.